Greetings. My name is Linda Talaferro, and this is the Being Brown at Work podcast. I help Black and Brown female professionals confidently and expertly navigate the corporate world so that they can reach new career heights and establish their seat at the table. So whether you're kicking off a new career, leaning in a new direction, or looking to climb the corporate ladder within your current job, I'm here to propel your career forward by giving you an insider's look at cultivating an executive mindset, creating leadership opportunities, establishing an executive presence, and more. So join me every week as I guide you towards becoming a leader in the corporate world and show you how to step into your true power and potential. Well, greetings, everyone. It is that time of the week on a Tuesday, Being Brown Live. And I am so excited. I mean, you know, all of you know that I I talk about the fabulous people in my network that I have been blessed to meet and get to know. And it continues to grow um, with the gentleman that we're, that we have with us tonight. Just met him a few months ago. Um, had the honor of being on a panel with uh, Mr. Allen. And I mean, you'll hear in a few minutes as I read his bio, why I had to have him on Being Brown at Work Live. So let's jump right into this. Mr. Allen, Mr. Terry Allen, is an award-winning public relations and marketing leader, sales executive, and community advocate with a passion for positioning small businesses for optimal success and motivating people to achieve their full potential. He's a senior sales executive with FedEx Services and the CEO of 1016 Media, a cultural engagement PR firm specializing in cause-related marketing. I love that. I wanted to emphasize that. Cause-related marketing for small business startups, nonprofits, and other CBOs. He currently serves on the board of directors of the National Association of Black Journalists as the media-related board member. He is a member of the National Black Public Relations Society and a charter president of that organization's Dallas chapter. He has served on the board of directors for the sports and entertainment MBA program at University of Dallas Graduate School of Management. He is an alumnus of Southern Methodist University, University of Texas at Dallas, and the American Institute of Banking. See, y'all already know why I had to have this gentleman with us tonight. As a FedEx sales executive, Terry's accomplishments include new hire mentor, induction into the President's Club in 2015, and the recipient of the FedEx Corporation's highest honor, the prestigious five-star award. Also at FedEx, he received the 2018 Person of Inspiration Award. Living PSP Award, FedEx Cares, 2015 Blue Skies Impact Player, Top Attainment, and a 2015 Most Valuable Player Award recipient, the Bravo Zulu in 2015 and 2017. Those are all his achievements just at FedEx. It's just phenomenal. And then I'm going to wrap here uh, again. The link to his complete bio, and you want to go out and read it, will be in the notes. You definitely want to see all these other accolades and accomplishments this man has gotten. But as the CEO of 1016 Media, his vast client and community partnerships includes Dr. Phil, Shark Tank, Essence, Black Enterprise, Upscale Magazine, Bronner Brothers, Miss Jessie's, Own. 
My Brother's Keeper, Jan LeVansant, Time, Food Network, Live Well Network, ABC, and the Third Coast Conference. I am honored, Terry. Welcome to Being Brown at Work. Thank you so much. I was trying to find that guy you were talking about just now. (laughs) God, he's amazing, whoever he is. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And so when we met several years ago as a panelist, um, in another conference, I mean, there was a connection. I think the whole panel was just phenomenal. And we immediately connected after that. You were so gracious in uh, getting me involved in FedEx Employee Research, Employee Resource Group event that you had. Um, and then now, you know, you're a guest here. And I know that one of of all the many things that you're involved in, Terry, or depth of breadth of your experience among your many expertise is around diversity. And next to your name here, you share you have here B diversity. I'd love to hear your take on has diversity morphed, shifted, changed over the years? And if so, in what way? Wow, that's a lot to pack on. I just <laughs> want to make a correction though. I, I served on the board of directors of NABJ. And now the media-related board rep belongs to another uh, individual. I'm just okay. a chair of the media-related task force. Uh, okay. okay. I work with the current board rep. And I have enjoyed the fact that you came and I presented your name to my employer, FedEx. They said you did an amazing job. I'm looking forward to you, to that video being made internal so we can see it. Thank you for accepting the invitation to come forth. It was just amazing to meet with you. And we did that conference. Uh, um, it was really great. But to answer your question, you're asking me what specific ways do we believe diversity has shifted? Is that what you're asking me? Yes, over the years. I mean, you know, I could think back in years ago, and even some people refer to it now as, as a quota system. You know, when you hear diversity, it's just some people think of it as quotas only. And we have this major DEI push and initiative, and we'll get into some of that in these other questions going forward. But if you just look at diversity itself, I mean, have you seen it redefine itself? Is it is it still in your mind a, a quota? We're all about quotas. How do you see diversity? Well, I think at the beginning, you know, I started training diversity almost 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think at the beginning, it never was a quota situation. As a matter of fact, it was supposed to be an answer and a remedy to affirmative action, which I think affirmative right. action was a good thing in the first place. It never was a bad thing. Right. Um, but what I do see that is that it's always had its true intent of creating diversity, but it was not doing what it does now, which is more authenticity, more intentionality. And people are actually putting analytics and measurement to diversity and making yeah. sure they are diverse because there have been some revelations that have been brought on by our move into a pandemic. And during that pandemic, we saw the, the heinous murder of a, of a man. Yes. And, uh, and it was like 65 million of us at home. And so we saw that. So things began to fodder from that. But let me say in the beginning what diversity was, I think, and I'll try to capsulize it because we have a short time and people can reach out to both of us later. But back in the day when I did diversity, it was named after me, my, the company TDA, the Diversity Advantage. And back then it was it was sort of like, come in and make us feel less guilty, make us feel okay. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and so, mm-hmm. so, so most of the mainstream Americans want us to feel less guilty. They want to make us feel okay. And we did fantastic work, but sometimes the people who were in power did not want to receive it, nor did they have to. They said, I'm paying you and I paid you to come in to, to do a checklist. 
And when we went beyond that checklist, we, we didn't get to work. And one of the things I reminded of really, really clear was what I thought that one company had sold to us that we really want to change. We got doing all this. And this was with the Asian community at the time. Mm. So um, we want to change. We want to be different. And when I came in with the truth with them, they went with the other clients, made them feel good. <laughs> wow. Wow. So the other client failed, though. So we had to come back. And don't get me wrong. The other client was just now starting in the business. And that client, the other vendor, went on to make a great deal of money making people feel less guilty. I just chose not to. But they did have that particular company had to come back to me. And we had to go because they were dealing with they made some mistakes. They assumed that people of the Asian community were all the same. And didn't mm-hmm. realize there's a difference right. between a Cambodian, a Vietnamese, a Japanese, a Chinese, a nationalist Chinese, and a mainland Chinese. So they were they were made to feel good, but they didn't change the problem in terms of their profitability and productivity. So all of that was an issue. So they all came back to to um, to me to get it done because I, I was dealing with authenticity. So that's what diversity had been. It was a checklist. It was not supposed to. It, I call it back in the day diversity light. <laughs> you yes. know, I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. and right. so and then they were people were switching their companies. I'm going to take my wife to make her owner of my company, so I'll be 51 percent minority. <laughs> you know, MWBE. I mean, MWBE. Yes. So it, it was diversity light. It was like we'll just cut on a few switches and we'll deflect from from any parity, and that's what it was. But now mm-hmm. diversity has intentionality. It has engagement, and I don't. People say. What was the difference? Uh, the difference is it's still the same. Back then, we get we delivered the diversity programs we wanted to deliver because we had to follow the money. All right. Okay. Yeah. And then we're doing great diversity programs now because we're still following the money. The money. Right. And when people say, "I'm not going to buy your product," I'm going to shift my spending habits. My demographics going to change, and also I'm losing productivity because I'm not. I don't have a diverse workforce. Mm. Already proved yes. that. Not. And this is really interesting. We haven't lost billions of dollars because we're not diverse. We've lost trillions of dollars because we haven't yes. diversity. You yes, know? yes, very and good point. You and I both know back in the day, oh, they discovered yeah. that banking was a good thing to have in my community. And they ignored our community for a long time. And they realized cool. that the transactional profit from banking in uh, minority communities or communities of color, because uh, we're not minorities, but in communities of color, we're profitable because we, get, we have more transactional fees. Absolutely. So the, the corner banks that showed up in our neighborhood had higher revenue than the ones that were on the cross town. Exactly. So, so that ignorance as that, that profitability. So that's it, it's still the and same. That, Follow it, the it, money. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> Follow the money, and I think it it translates into corporate America too, Terry. I mean, you know, it has been proven. There's data out there that the more diverse uh, corporate America is, the more profitable they are. Right. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned in 2020 that horrific uh, situation that all of us saw um, happening live before us. Uh, and since then, there's this resurgence, right? So now there's a lot of focus on racial inequalities, disparities in our society as a whole. Uh, and definitely in corporate America, you see all of these corporations coming out with statements, all of a sudden, chief, you know, these chief diversity officer positions being filled. You know, as time goes on, how do you see this unfolding? And most importantly, is there any opportunities that persons like myself, yourself, the people that are listening to us now that are in corporate America, 
any opportunities that we may have missed as individuals or want to make sure we don't miss with this resurgence? Well, I'll just have to take, and Linda, you know, I've been through this, those personality tests that we take that determine our fit on the, as a team, that determines how who we should work with and how we balance our workforce to become profitable. Well, it's still the same. The opportunity is for us to have authentic diversity and people who are coming in doing authentic diversity things. And a lot of that comes from the data. It's all in the data. They say the detail, the devil is in the details. The details, the yes. in the data. Yeah. And, and so some of the times I, I was laughing at a friend of mine because I was joking because she called me and says, I'm vice president of equity. I go, what's that? I don't know yet. <laughs> so, okay. They start creating all of these um, visible changes without the content and the data. So our opportunity is to come back and say, and, I, and I'll, I'll quote from the McKinsey report, why diversity matters. There's an unequal performance of companies in the same industry, in the same country, company, in the same countries, that implies that diversity is a competitive differentiator. So when you shift the market toward diversity, you shift the market toward profit. You yes. shift the market toward market segmentation and seizing the largest share of your market. And so it's already been proven. So now we have the right to come in and show people that we're not trying to get you to value biopic people. We're trying to get you to value the talent and skills that come from people you overlook because they didn't look like you. There you, we go. You're yes. outside of your comfort zone and come in and say, you know, there's, there's, there's certain qualities that people have. I was telling my, and I have a nonprofit, uh, City Men Cook, where we cook on Father's Day and we raise money for grassroots nonprofits to itself. And um, I was teaching the mentoring class and I told a young man, I says, a man raises a son, but a woman raises a nation. Mm -hmm. You know, and we, we don't, if we dig into our history, we'll see that in, when there were cities of gold paved water, women would make the decisions that they wouldn't even choose who the male leaders were and then right. feed them the information to be great leaders. Yes. So if you don't have that understanding of diversity, and the talent yeah. with diverse people, you miss out on a great town, a great village, a great company, a great outcome. So we, we have great opportunity if we can get people to understand and buy in. But, you know, diversity has to come from its core. Two, there are five things it has to have. Top leadership has to believe in it, buy in it, and say it's a done deal. Number two, it has to be policy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Your mm -hmm. DEI initiatives have to be part of your policy it can't be a sidebar ere group that doesn't isn't allowed to make influence right and, and am i against the ere group no i'm a member one i ere exactly. groups have to shoes shine polish and polish the shoes make them shine better we got to we bring so much gifts to the table when you have ere erg groups they're there but if it's not bought off by policy when there's a shift in a focus on people of color need to be have some PL jobs, you know, not, you just, not just the, I'm the vice president of diversity and inclusion. I'm the vice president of equity. I'm the vice president of fairness. Those are temporary jobs that report to someone that says, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're going to do it this way. Right. So right. jobs, right. and there, there, there's so much talent in people, but they're overlooked because we have the barriers that are disparities brought on about race, gender, race and gender. Right, exactly. So, in speaking of that, Terry, let me get. We're going to dig in a little bit and get specific because I love um, what you've just shared so far. But as Black and Brown people, because you know, you and I know that because we've been doing this for a while, we have a tendency to say, you know what, it's not up to me. 
you know, it's up to the people that created this divide. It's up to him. Um, you know, the person sitting in the seat, you know, there's nothing I can do. Uh, they own my career. They own all the rules. They, 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 they. So in this movement as black and brown people, and we know we are worthy of the seats that exist out there. What would you say our role is? How are we, how do we take charge and drive diversity, equity, and inclusion? Yeah, you're going to ask some hard questions. Your, your viewers <laughs> are going to say, you don't know what he's talking about. But I, I, let me say this. I work for a company where I, when I was working in the building, I got a ticket rushing to work. I never got a ticket rushing home because I was always taking my time. Mm. I was in a hurry to get to work. That's, uh, and so from that factor of all those tests, I'm loyal. When I see something that is great, I can't wait to work for it. And the company I came to work for, I tried to work for it for 22 years and gave up. And I came back and here I am at the company. I, so wow. I, said, I said, look at God. <laughs> and That's so great. I, yes. I worked hard to get to that job. And so your question is, what can we do? What do black and brown people do? Let me say this. Uh, I want to put this out here because I'm going to throw a lot of things out there for people to think because we can't answer everything in this session. No, that's right. If we we uh, we are recorded, I've participated in the 1619 project with my good friend Karen Wilson out of Hampton, Virginia. And when I stood on the shores next to the actual passageway where the first 12 people of color came aboard under colonial rule and came aboard, they were not they were in district service. They were not enslaved Africans. And I could feel that spirit. And that's something my grandmother taught me. And that's why, well, here I go, grandmother. Let me get, you know, I told you I'm, I'm unapologetically black. Right. Absolutely. I can't call my grandmother grandmother because we called her big mom. So big my, mom, yeah. my big mom would say that you are, you have got to feel the spirit of your people to understand where you must travel. Mm. And when I stood there, I could feel the spirit of people who came there and they, and that particular place came, went from 12 people there to thousands of people breaking the passage of slavery, the, the uh, middle passage. And, and so that power that we have there is that that was in 1619. So if black people could solve racism, we would have fixed it in 1620. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. OK, so yes. you, there's, a, there's some truth in about it. I, I'm not the perpetrator. It's not me. But what happens is, is that we are uniquely here by what we accomplished long before we arrived here. And if you look at pyramids and you look at the money system, yes. you, you drop off in D.C. And, and look at the Egypt on the Potomac and see how it works. You see the tie that we have. We're here. We have a great deal of talent. So, no, we can't change. We're not the purveyors to change institutionalized racism. But I'm going to borrow from one of the leaders in my company. We are the accomplices. Yeah. Wow. So we have to get on the on the same bandwagon and be the accomplice. You know, whether we're going to shine the light or remind them or redirect the, the interest and desire, we're going to show them how profitable it is. Whatever we do, we got to do our job. And we've got to be dedicated to the mission of what we signed up to do. If I signed up to work for Linda's company, I got to be dedicated to Linda's mission. And at the same time, if I see some disparities, I got to be dedicated to let you know we're missing out on opportunity, revenue, and power because we're not taking care of this problem. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we do have to be accomplices. And again, I still stand behind the thing that if blacks could fix racism, it would have never got yeah. past 1622. Yeah. 
Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Totally agree. And and that's the key though, right, Terry? I mean, understanding that we have a role, that we can drive change. You know, what we can't do, and I think your analogy to what you saw and what you felt when you stood there on the banks, um, we can't sit back. We can't shrink. We can't not be active and engaged take ownership of our careers, and at the same time, advocate and pave way for others. I think we'd be doing everything you just shared about 1619 and everything you felt when you were standing there, we'd be doing all of those ancestors a disservice if we just decided to sit back in our chair and woe is me, I'm done. I can't fix it. I can't fix it. Exactly. I can't. Right. Exactly. So therefore, I'm done. Right, exactly. So therefore, I'm done. And of course, I'm never going to get the seat because of. I absolutely love love what you just shared. So, you know, unfortunately, you kept saying this, and it's so true, because time does fly in these 30, <laughs> these 30 minute podcast sessions that I have, I find that. Um, you know, that is kind of the time frame that most of the audience loves, but we could have conversation after conversation. And like Terry said, if any of you are interested in having more of a dialogue or even having Terry come speak or, or working with him, all of his information will be in the notes. You can connect directly with him. But as we wrap our time in this session, Terry, I wonder if you can leave the audience with like three to five ways. And all that you've seen and all of the clients you've worked with, everybody you've represented, and even in the career you've had at FedEx, what would you leave uh, people in their mid-career, even people younger, just starting out, three to five ways that they can authentically show up and actively drive diversity, equity, inclusion, and provide their wealth, their value to moving the company forward in a productivity and financial perspective. Three to five ways they can do that authentically, which is really key, I believe. Well, I think that, and I'll have to go back to Big Mama because uh, my last column I wrote was the thing she told me once when I was disappointed by church members who didn't recognize that the church that I attend was built by enslaved Africans, and one of them was a, an ancestor of mine. Mm-hmm. I told her why they didn't want to recognize this and they were in denial. She said, you know, all skin folk ain't kin folk. Mm-hmm. So it took me 22 years to understand that. And there are people who sit at the gate who look like us, who prevent us from making change because you can't come here rocking the boat. I've been happy. I've got a mortgage. I got a paycheck. And here you come making us shit. And so I'm going to make sure that you don't get as far as you need to because I don't feel like changing like that and it ain't gonna work no way. So five things, we have to tell the truth. We have to be authentic. I, I, I created Be Diversity because you've gotta be able to, culture, we always talk about emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Cultural yes. intelligence is just as important. Just as important. Right, and so you, you are so right. Yes. You can't put pigmentation in a role and think you fixed the problem. You've gotta put, Emotional intelligence and cultural intelligence in that role. And sometimes we, we place people in roles and they're not there because yeah. they, they are another big mama statement. They, they, are, they are people that you need to, to hide from. I, my, my grandmother said there are some people who are not, who are unhealed. And when they're mm. unhealed, they're going to make your job difficult. And the more they look like you, the more difficult your job's going to be. Wow. She said sometimes. That is so powerful. She said you just have to duck. You know, dodge unhealed consciousness kindly. 
keep moving forward. So that's keep number one. Oh my gosh, I love that. Wait a minute, we got to say that again. Dodge, unheal consciousness kindly. Kindly, yeah. Because if I, wow. I've already been, I've already been in a situation where I was adamant and defiant, but I wasn't rude, and then but I was accused of being the bad, angry black man. Mm. I'm just intentional. And I'm not going to apologize for being black. And I don't want to work for an organization that thinks I have to be less black to be okay. So you know, the other three things I wanted to share is that we have to unravel the truth and put it back together. You know, we have to tell the truth. The slaves, the enslavement camp and the enslavement process freed the slaves. The Emancipation Proclamation didn't. All right. And we have a, we have things where somebody never told a lie. Yes, they did. <laughs> put the truth in the books. You know, and if we took, look at our, our our historical embrace of faith, there's no way that the savior of the Christian community looked like the one person that Florida Evans was praying to on the wall. Wow. We just had to tell the truth, and when the truth, tell the comes, truth. the truth comes and powers you. When you tell you sit, you come out of your darkness and tell your story, you empower everyone around you. Yes. So you yes. have to be, you have to work on not being unhealed, but being healed. All right. And number number five is that and number four and five, the biggest challenge we make is we divide the young against the old. Wow. You know, and there's something about people who have a seasoned career that yes. can break the table for the people who have a new career that's full of technical savvy. So I, I'm going to go out and learn TikTok, but I want you to learn from me reason, balance and campaign strategy. Be strategic. All right. Yes. I want you to realize that. You are protesting against uh, the imbalances and the, the things that we have silenced ourselves on for hundreds of years. And now we're glad you're upset. But come back to me and let, you, let me tell you what my great-grandfather told me that happened before. Because this ain't new. And so in order for this moment to become a movement, we've got to maintain the momentum of exchange. And it's got to cross race, color, age, and generation. So we yes. need to engage in a culture of engagement, not conversation, but engagement. Because we had this conversation with Emmett Till. We had it with, with uh, Rodney King. So it's not about conversation there. It's about engagement. It's about knowing how valuable we are. I don't go to a salad. I don't buy a salad to put it in the blender. Mm. I buy it because of the tomatoes and because of the croutons, because of the dressing and because of the lettuce. Yes. And because of, you know, my favorite I buy it because of those those tomatoes and cherries and everything else. <laughs> I, want, I want us to be able to appreciate the whole salad. And we don't need to blend it. We just need to appreciate the value. Each part of that salad contributes to our, our whereabouts. So we have to start at the top. There needs to be policy. We need to address our internal and external stakeholders. And be diversity. Uh, I have to say this in this last few minutes, but we have forgotten the disparities that black people have gone through to be who we are. So to be in diversity is to put the black back in it. Black back in it. There we yeah. go. And people say, well, it's all the same. I says, no. There's one there's a lot of differentiators that tells you that there's a unique process to put black back in. I mean, you know, even with the Asian community, as bad as the things are going to, and I've been sharing it with my good friend Linda, uh, not this Linda, but my other Linda from Asia, <laughs> uh, is that, you know, even during my history, my grandmother remembers that her Asian friends got a check. Wasn't much. It was twenty thousand dollars. They got reparations for what they were done, and they got apologies. We never got that, so it makes yeah. it it puts a disparity in the black side. 
And we need yeah. to be back in diversity and make sure everybody in that salary gets equity. Equity means not being equal, but no. being balanced. Exactly. That I hope I shared true. enough for you. <laughs> no, that was uh, that's perfect, Terry. That's exactly what we need. And and, and what I want everybody that's because we've got a ton of comments coming here of people that are listening in is to know that it's possible. It's achievable by being authentic. There's nothing about, like you say, you're unapologetically a black man. I'm unapologetically a black woman with natural hair. And I show up in my role as a vice president every day, unapologetically so. And we can, you can do that. It's very achievable and to do it authentically. And that's what was so beautiful, beautiful about everything you shared in this session with me on this Tuesday. Like I said at the beginning, when I met you, I knew I had to have you as a yeah. guest. And, and I so appreciate you uh, taking your time out of your evening uh, on a Tuesday. You're in Dallas, so an hour behind me here in uh, in the Detroit area in Michigan. But I really appreciate you, Terry Allen. Uh, again, everyone that's listening in, don't hesitate. Connect with this with this gentleman. There's so much depth of wealth of wisdom and knowledge that this 30 minutes definitely could not uh, contain. Reach out to him. Uh, I'm sure he'd be, he would love to connect with you. And if you're in the Dallas area around Father's Day, this city man who cook, you, you got to go check that. You got to check that event out. Got to check it out. Matter of fact, we're going to go national and we're going to get black. We're going to focus on black owned businesses, uh, retailers and black owned restaurants so we can get people Fabulous. to go shop in there and open them back up. And I Linda, love it. I have to tell you, I thank you for allowing me to do this. I am not here to say that your Holocaust is not is worse than my hell of a cost and my hell of a cost is no worse than your Holocaust. It's not a comparison of who had the less disparity, but it's a it's a drive to say, let's be authentically who we are. Yes. And diversity, a beautiful, beautiful wheel. We're all, we're, all we're all spokes on the wheel of diversity. So let's all make this wheel look good. There we go. Love it, Terry. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. All God right. bless you. God bless your listeners and viewers. Oh. oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Terry. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, I have so much more to offer you. Book a complimentary call with me at lindatalaferro.com slash free consultation so you can start unapologetically achieving your own professional goals as a woman of color and establish a presence as more than just an employee. Let's go deeper, reach your professional goals, and apply this life-changing work to your career and beyond so you can rock your corporate game and get that seat at the table. 